What's going on guys, just another critic here, welcome back to the channel, we're going into my week 7 biggest takeaways, where we had a lot of great games, some big time upsets, as well as some dominant performances by some ranked teams, um, and really this week was, was really the first time we had a chance to get a good gauge on some of the teams out there, right, like Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, uh, not Michigan, um, you know, Texas, OU, LSU, Florida, we got some ranked versus ranked opponents where we can get a better gauge on who's for real, who's a real contender, and who's who's really going to be able to make a push towards the, uh, you know, the late half of the of the season where we're getting closer to the college football playoff conversation. Um, starting off my takeaways, I want to go ahead and talk about my upset alerts that I put out. If you guys are following me on Instagram or my podcast or YouTube, wherever you're at, you would have had a chance to uh, take a look at that. My upset alerts were the Georgia, was the Georgia versus South Carolina game, USC at Notre Dame game, and the Hawaii at Boise State game. Funny enough, all three of these matchups were away games, um, home games for the favored team, away games for the team I thought would pull the upset. Uh, Georgia, obviously, big-time upset versus uh, got upset by South Carolina, a 25-point underdog. Um, and then USC nearly pulled off the upset versus Notre Dame. Some late-game penalties and, and mistakes really essentially lost that game because whenever you're trying to pull an upset, it's almost like you have to be flawless in in just limiting mistakes and and it just comes down to the little things um hawaii versus boise state hawaii wasn't able to pull it off essentially they basically got blown out it was 7 to 31 at one point but really in reality that game was a lot closer what ended up happening three three turnovers in three uh consecutive possessions in their own territory which led to Boise State scores so whenever you turn the ball over you're pretty much giving the giving the team a an advantage right it's never good to turn a ball over you never really you're never really going to win a game if you're losing the turnover uh differential with that being said wanted to first talk about Alabama right number one run game looked improved defense continues to have issues um the o-line more importantly they look like they're finally they're finally getting getting their groove finally gelling um but to to continue to touch on the defense they're just very young right they're starting four true freshmen up um in the front seven it's just going to be tough right now a lot of the speculation is that we understand that they're you know not where we'd like them to be but a lot of the analysts are saying well this defense is going to mature by the time they get to the bigger games, right? They get to the LSUs. They get to the Auburns. But the reality is that's just speculation. We don't know what's going to happen by the time that we get to that, that point, right? By the time they get to that game. With the, with the way that this defense has been trending, it's just been a continuous you know, buildup of injuries and and a lot of different issues that they're finding themselves dealing with on that side of the ball. Now, I would like to see Alabama play better defense, but like like the reality of it is that they're just so very young. Think about that four true freshmen starting in the front seven. It's 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 unbelievable. Uh the run game has been improved, it looks improved. I understand they're playing at Texas A&M. 
you know, not the most amazing uh, team on paper. But if you look at what they've done in general, as far as what they've been able to, um, I guess, stop or, or slow down, they've been they've done a good job at slowing down opponents in the run game, especially in between the tackles. But Alabama was able to find success in those areas. And so they did it against a pretty good front four in Texas A&M. Like I said, it's not going to be the most, it's not going to be the best front four that they face this year. Obviously, they're going to have to play Auburn. I believe that's going to be a home game for Auburn. And so, um, but luckily, that game is at the back end of their schedule. So while they may still have some issues up front on offense in the O-line, that's something that they can continue to work towards and potentially, right, potentially, potentially, nothing is guaranteed. Potentially, they can be there by the time that game arrives. They can have have that type of success running in between the tackles, running outside, just in the run game in general. And so um, Alabama, the continuous, uh, the consistent thing that has been talked about throughout this season is their defense. And a lot of people are kind of looking at them like the Oklahoma of a season ago, right? High-powered offense, defense has been allowing points um, to not 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 really the greatest opponents. So um, as we saw, Clemson held A&M to just 10 points. And really, Auburn essentially held them to about seven if you, if you take away those garbage time touchdowns. And uh, yeah, so with that being said, the defense is still the issue. Can they fix that? Can they clean that up? Of course, right? They've got the coaches to do that. They got Nick Saban. He is, he's just known for making adjustments. But up to this point, they haven't done that. Moving on, Florida taking on LSU. Florida, the biggest thing that stood out to me was um, Trask, the quarterback for Florida. I honestly was not sold on that quarterback at all because I really don't feel like he got a legitimate challenge against the secondary of Auburn. Really, Auburn essentially is, their defense is built on what what that front four is going to do in that game. So if that front four is finding success, that typically correlates to everything behind, right? The linebackers, the DBs, safeties, etc. And so um, Auburn hasn't, hasn't really with these group of guys haven't been the greatest team in the secondary as far as covering guys man-to-man zone whatever you want to call it they just haven't been able to not only um, cover guys but they haven't been able to tackle in space it it just hasn't been something they've consistently done well and so we saw that in the Florida game leading up into this LSU game this is where I thought uh, Kyle Trask would get his his real test his real first test going up against Potentially, you know, a handful of those guys in the secondary are going to go to the NFL. We already know that. Grant Delpit, um, the the two corners on the outside. Both of these teams possess great cornerbacks. They consistently recruit phenomenal DBs and get great DB play, uh, great play from their DBs in the secondary. And so Trask Trask was tearing them up. Trask was tearing them up. He not only, you know, looked poised in the pocket, but he, he was making some phenomenal throws. Uh, Van Jefferson, they really just found their mismatches. That's something that is is something that I've continued to see with Florida in Dan Mullen. He finds mismatches 
and he pretty much hammers them all game. He was doing that uh, a handful, a good amount of the time with uh, Van Jefferson going up against, I believe his uh, name is Stingley, number 24, I want to say. But yeah, he was he was hammering that guy most of the night and really just finding his mismatches. Um, Trask played a played a game, a great game, obviously until that until that interception in the red zone. But other than that, super impressed with the guy. Um, defense, uh, Florida's defense, man. This like I like I kind of talked about leading up into my in the matchups. Florida, I really didn't feel like they were tested in the secondary all season long, even when they went up against Auburn. Auburn, I understand that leading up into that Auburn Florida game. Auburn had showed shown some improvement offensively. Even I thought they had improved offensively. But we really saw a true freshman quarterback come out in that game. And really, whenever Bo Nix has faced better defensive opponents, he struggled. We saw that when he played against Oregon, and we saw that in that Florida in that Florida matchup. And so it was just some really bad mistakes. And that's something that I wasn't expecting Joe Burrow to make, and he didn't. And so when we got into this matchup, Florida taking on LSU with some great skilled players on the outside at wide receiver in slot, Jamar Jefferson. Uh, so number one and number two at wide receiver. And so it was a great game. Both teams played very well. But I think it's just LSU, right? LSU and Alabama kind of have similarities in, in the way their offenses are run right now. And it's just something that's very hard to stop because essentially really they're just kind of taking the underneath passes um with those slants and and quick throws but if you if you bring you know if you bring everybody down as far as the safeties and dbs go and and, and you're really trying to key in on those those passes underneath you're you're you you have to pick your poison you give up the underneath you give up the short gainage you the short yardage and you make them pick you apart you make them put together drives or you bring those guys down and essentially you're you're not giving up the deep play but it's more likely that that's where the ball is going to go and so I think overall it's just a great game between two great teams Burrow's looking phenomenal he looks sharp dude looks like he's got ice water in his veins Um, he's just having a great season and I think that offense the new offensive coordinator and the way the offense is being run not only that but the consistent play calling and and uh you know halftime adjustments that are being made have been have been like flawless really just flawless and so LSU LSU looks like Alabama right now they're playing phenomenal offensively defensively continues to be an issue just shaky um not not used to what we're seeing from either of these teams on defense and so with that being said let's go ahead and jump into the next matchup which was the Oklahoma versus Texas matchup let's talk about Oklahoma we already know what they bring to the table offense 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 Lincoln Riley gonna out scheme you gonna out game plan you that's just what he does defense on the other hand that had that has been the question mark for Oklahoma really essentially since Lincoln Riley took over the program. We knew that they were going to be a high-powered offense with you know, elite athletes at the skilled positions and they were just going to outscore you. 
what we're seeing from Oklahoma defensively now, this year in 2019, up until this point, up until this point, but I'm not sure they're going to play, you know, much better offenses or much better athletes than what they faced this weekend versus Texas in the regular season. That defense was outstanding. Probably the the best I've seen them play throughout the Lincoln-Riley era versus a very good Texas team in Sam Ellinger and essentially three wide receivers that will most likely make an NFL roster in Colin Johnson, Devin DuVernay, and Brennan Eagles. It was impressive. It was impressive defensively. Um, they're, they're getting pressure on the quarterback. I don't know his name, big number 90 on defense for Oklahoma. I think he, he looked like a defensive tackle. He was winning up front. He was winning a lot of his one-on-one matchups and winning his battle and putting pressure on Lincoln on 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 Sam Ellinger. It was crazy. It's it's just it was just kind of baffling to see Oklahoma play defense. And I I've I've already been impressed with Kenneth Murray. The dude is just a, a straight up animal. So that's not something that surprised me. He's a sideline to sideline guy. He is athletic as hell. He's big as hell. And so he's just one of those guys that's just a monster, right? Um, you can compare him to the, the uh, I don't know what position they, he, they, he, they basically have a hybrid position for him over at Clemson, uh, big number 11. And then, um, but yeah, Kenneth Murray's phenomenal. They're making plays on that side of the ball. It was, it was refreshing to see, right? I'm, I'm sure it was, it was a sight to see, especially for Oklahoma fans, because that's just not something they're typically used to seeing. It's something that they've been praying would happen, right? Because that's that's essentially been the the talk of Oklahoma in every offseason leading up into the new season is whether or not they were going to get the defense secured, whether or not they were going to fix those issues so that really they can turn this team into a more complete team. So when they get to the playoffs, they, they're putting themselves in a real position to succeed and, and have a chance to win games. Because if you can't play defense, you're you're really always always leaving the door open for your opponent to beat you. And so with that being said, on the other hand, Texas... Sam Ellinger. I thought Sam Ellinger played a phenomenal game. He was making some phenomenal throws that he really wasn't getting help from his wide receivers in, in catching those balls. And like I said, these these wide receivers aren't just nobodies. They're highly recruited. They're being scouted right now, as I talked about, for potential NFL rosters. And so those drop balls, whenever you whenever you bring together these types of ranked teams, um, it it all comes down to the little things. Every little thing matters, and so these incompletions, these drop balls, um, they're gonna they're gonna play a big role in how the game turns out. And we saw that. We saw that. At the same time, like I talked about, OU getting pressure on the quarterback. Ellinger's pocket was closing pretty quickly. Um, and defense, Texas. I, I understood that they had a, a handful of injuries in the secondary and their defense was going to be a problem. All right, That's something I knew coming into the game. The issue for me, looking back on the game, 
is, my goodness, none of these guys know how to tackle. I think that is one of the biggest takeaways for any Texas fan, for any neutral fan watching the game. Um, because most Oklahoma fans are just going to be like, no, that's just our athlete, C.D. Lamb. He does that to everybody. I understand that. C.D. Lamb's a great player. He went off three touchdowns, hundreds plus something yards. And so the tackling was horrendous, horrendous. You got five guys surrounding C.D. Lamb, about four of them frozen in their positions. They broke down, right? Everybody's breaking down, but nobody's attacking the ball. And so it was just, it was just, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. You know, it's just fundamentals, basics. The most basic thing in football was lost in this game on defense for Texas. They just weren't able to tackle people. And that essentially led to two touchdowns. Because when they were able to tackle people in space in the red zone, they were getting stops in the red zone and forcing Oklahoma to kick field goals. That's basically what the game came down to. Because uh, Texas couldn't stop Oklahoma in open space. That was just not going to happen. And Jalen Hurts was making some plays as far as avoiding the pass rush. Um, But yeah, essentially, Texas just couldn't tackle in space. They couldn't guard anybody in space between the 20s. Once it got into the red zone, that's where Texas was really finding more of their success as a defense. And that seemed like the game plan late in the the second half. We're not going to be able to stop them in space, so why even try? Let's just allow them to get into the red zone. Let them kick the field goal. And then we'll, we're going to have to go out there and score touchdowns, right? We're going to have to give up field goals to, re- to get the ball back and then go out and score touchdowns. That's just kind of the feeling I got from it late in the second half because Texas essentially wasn't really able to stop them uh, on a consistent basis. But with that being said, most impressive thing from that matchup, OU defense. OU defense, game ball goes to them. Game ball goes to that OU defense. Um, I did have Texas winning this game, but hey, it is what it is. I'm I'm more than happy to admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong in this matchup. At the same time, I did not expect to see such horrendous play on defense from Texas. With that being said, moving along, wanted to talk about Penn State very quickly. They took on a very good Iowa defense. Now, Penn State, we know what they have. They have phenomenal athletes on defense. Their defense plays very fast. Um... They've, 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 in recent years, uh, you know, since James Franklin has taken over, now we're getting, uh, we're getting to see his recruiting classes on the field. And these guys are fast, athletic, um, and they're just gang tackling everybody to the ball. It's just, it's just great to see, um, because we're, we're really not seeing that, that often this year in college football, great defense or teams playing, um consistently on the on that on that side of the ball and so Penn State in this game the only question mark right now is just offensively right they're averaging 47 points per game coming into this matchup only able to put 17 on Iowa I understand Iowa is a very good defense and they're playing at home and it was a night game and it was you know the primetime game but with all that being said um if they aren't able to find consistency on offense, right? The the defenses that they're going to be playing this year are only going to get better because if they end up running in, they're going to play Ohio State. If they're able to win out, 
they're going to find themselves in a Big Ten championship with probably going to be who's probably going to be Wisconsin. So the defenses from here are only going to are only going to get better. Right. And then they've also got Michigan coming into the big house this week. And so I understand Michigan's defense has been, you know, up and down. But at the same time, they have been better than their offense. And that kind of has been their bread and butter over the years, playing stout defense. And um, when you're you're coming into Penn State, these games just fuel the players. They should, or they typically do fuel the the players uh, to play at a higher level. And so coming into this matchup, Penn State, Michigan, we'll talk about this in more detail coming into the week. But um, yeah, just offensively, I'm just not sure if they really have an identity offensively. Defense, we know who they are. But offensively, I still think they're trying to figure out who they want to be. I understand new quarterback, Sean Clifford, and that was going to be the biggest thing uh, coming into the season, replacing Trace McSorley, who essentially was carrying them throughout you know, the years that he had, he had been the quarterback at the program. And so I think they'll improve. But at the same time, I'm not sold on this offense just yet. So we'll see what happens. Um, lots, lots of time left, but now getting into the bigger matchups, that's when they need to show more consistency and figure out exactly who they want to be so they can play complementary football with, you know, the offense, defense and, and play off of each other. With that, moving along, want to talk about Baylor very quickly. Are they back? Question mark, right? Are they back? They're six and zero right now. They've played a very balanced. They look like a very balanced football team. I understand playing in the Big 12, it's really hard to gauge who's who's the real deal. But they've beat some really good teams, Kansas State, or some pretty good teams, I should say. Kansas State, Iowa State, and then they struggled versus Texas Tech this past week. But at the same time, they came out on the right end and, and, and finishing the game and, and essentially winning that. They were down by a touchdown. Uh, a field goal late in the game led led a drive into the red zone. Really, is should have won that game in regulation. Wide receiver dropped the ball in, in the end zone, and so kicked the field goal. Went to OT, won it in double OT, and that's these games when you can win these tight games early on in the season. This is just something that prepares you for the better opponents getting into the back end. They still have to play Oklahoma State. They still have to play Oklahoma as well as Texas. So they're going to have their opportunities to put their name in the hat, right, to compete or put their name in the conversation for a college football playoff spot if they can beat these teams on their schedule. And then they're going to find they, they can essentially find themselves in the Big 12 championship game, right? You can just never count anybody out in the Big 12 when they're undefeated, um, because that's just how the Big 12 is. But with that being said, like I said, Baylor looks like a balanced team. Do I think they'll beat Oklahoma? I don't know. I I just can't say for sure right now. But Baylor playing overall this season have played better defensively than Texas has. So I can't wait to see that Oklahoma versus Baylor matchup. However, that Baylor defense will be tested again when they take on Oklahoma State this week. And that is what we're getting we're going to get a great gauge on just how good this team is because essentially Oklahoma State is kind of the gatekeeper in the Big 12. They're always there close to the top, 
but never really at the top. If you can beat them, you've shown that you you might you may have a chance to beat the Oklahomas or the Texases, right? But we'll see. Moving on, Minnesota six and zero right now, but I'm not sold on this team at all. One look at their schedule will tell you the story. They really haven't played anyone. You know, they struggled versus South Dakota State, struggled versus Georgia, Georgia Southern, struggled versus Fresno State. Essentially, every single game they've played in has been a struggle outside of this past week where they absolutely murdered Nebraska 34-7. to And so I understand that I shouldn't be judging them on what they did in weeks one, two, three, four, right? Because teams get better, teams get better. And so for that reason, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I'm not completely sold on this team just yet. And so we're going to be getting more of our questions answered as the season moves along. They'll be taking on Rutgers next week. So we're not going to be learning more about this team anytime soon until they really run into uh, some of the better teams on their schedule. With all that being said... Um, these are practically most of the things I wanted to harp on or touch on very quickly. Cincinnati still sitting in the top 25. Missouri in the East, actually at the top of their division uh, in the SEC East. They look very good. Um, they looked like a very balanced team. They did give up 27 to Ole Miss. So that defense, while I thought it was good on paper, they kind of didn't really live up to it versus a not-so-great Ole Miss team. But Ole Miss, right, it's it's always a tough task to to contain a dual-threat quarterback that Ole Miss possesses um, in Plumlee. The dude is just a phenomenal athlete, and it, it's hard to contain those types of guys. Uh, with that, Appalachia State broke into the top 25. Washington back into the top 25. Uh, I don't know how. Two losses. But I guess that's just how the AP voters see them. In the coaches poll, they did have Temple at number 25, a 5-1 team, coming off a great win versus Memphis. Um, Other than that, Arizona State moved up some more. They're at number 17. Oregon sitting at number 12. Oregon will be taking on Washington in this week's um, matchup. And so both of these teams... If you are planning on betting this game, take a look at the under. Whenever both of these quarterbacks run into better defenses, they struggle. That's just that's just been the theme of the season, um, especially coming off of a dominant performance, dominant wins. If you look at the weeks after their dominant performances, they struggle. And so both of them came off big-time wins versus very poor opponents in their conference. Oregon taking on Colorado, Washington taking on Arizona. Uh, with all that being said, pretty much covered everything i wanted to talk about and yeah i think we're all set appreciate you guys for listening on the podcast or here on youtube with that being said i appreciate all the support if you guys want to follow me on my social media outlets all that stuff all the links will be in the description all that being said hope you guys have a great rest of your day evening or night this is just another critic signing off Peace. Yeah, stay prepared for the up and down. Life is like a seesaw. Some say it's a bitch, man. I couldn't agree more. One minute's the wrong song.